Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What is a Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 150 people around this question, not with the objective of finding a universal answer, but creating content that prompts your own inquiry into finding and defining your own answer. While I'm also trying to share with you what I perceive to be more genuine expressions of the human experience. On the 12th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast, I'm joined by Alison Taylor, who is a clinical professor at NYU Stern School of Business, executive director at Ethical Systems, and is writing a book for the Harvard Business Review Press. In this episode, Alison describes how curious Curiosity has been her main driving force in life, taking her on a journey from investigating corporate corruption on several continents to teaching at NYU. She talks about embracing adventure, playing to your strengths, loving your work, and the importance of contributing to what you care about to remain optimistic in the face of a turbulent world. Given both our proclivities for jumping continents and careers at various points in life, I took a lot of inspiration from her story of trusting herself and going her own way. And if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share, and subscribe, as I'd greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 12th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. Alison, thank you so much for joining me today on the What is a Good Life podcast. As I mentioned to you on our preamble before, I'm a huge fan of the the content you're putting out on LinkedIn. I very much like the tone and the substance of what you're putting out. So I was very excited to, to speak to you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So the first question, Alison, as I tend to have is, is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through life? Gosh, uh, it's such a good and big question. I suppose I'm (laughs) always trying to find out what motivates other people, what it's like to be other people. I feel that I moved through life to a great extent as an observer. I was an investigator for 12 years. Uh, I like to understand secrets. I like to understand complexity. I like to understand the things that people are feeling uh, but not saying. Um, and so my my career has taken me uh, in a lot of very different directions. So is my personal life. But if, if there is a red thread flowing through everybody, everything, rather, I would say it is a, a deep curiosity about what motivates other people. There's uh, there's so much in that, uh, which which I absolutely loved. Uh, the sense of understanding what people are, are feeling but not saying. Uh, can you give me a, a sense of, of how you navigate that? Sure. So, um, I mean, the first thing I would say is my my childhood was rather odd. There were a lot of family secrets. There were a lot of things that were were felt and not said in my family. And so I think that's a real kind of animating force for me. Um, I mentioned already I spent 12 years investigating uh, fraud and corruption and bribery and money laundering, first of all, in the Middle East and Africa, and then in the Americas. And I became deeply curious, one, about how businesses uh, behave in these countries. So um, what business ethics looks like. But I suppose the more um, kind of interesting conclusion I came to after spending 12 years gathering evidence and documenting the facts and trying to help my clients is that the facts don't matter as much as, as the stories people are telling themselves. So I would have this experience over and over again of presenting the facts and being quizzed very aggressively by someone very powerful. Or I would watch someone very powerful override somebody 
less powerful. Um, or I would perhaps watch a senior leadership team find a convenient scapegoat to blame for something that they clearly all knew about. And so um, as I move through my career, I move from this very kind of analytical frame. I have a, an academic background. I was an academic person. I thought that analysis would, would kind of uncover the answers to a lot of the questions I had. And it became, gradually became clear to me that uh, facts don't necessarily convince people. We all approach the world with a certain frame. We all tell the stories that we want to tell about ourselves, our motivation, our character. And so uh, I, I went back to college around uh, 10 years ago to study organizational psychology. And that has given me the tools and the concepts to kind of observe and diagnose and understand what I'm seeing. And so I tend to ask a lot of questions about what uh, is really going on beneath the surface. I tend to not take what people are telling me directly as uh, as being the, the really interesting thing to explore. Um, and so uh, I've been lucky later in my career to have learned about some of the kind of concepts and frameworks that, that we might use to, to inform this understanding of how human beings behave. And I think clearly, no matter how you see the world in the last decade or so, it has become incredibly clear uh, that people believe what they want to believe. If you can think about the pandemic, you can think about politics. So uh, I think the questions that I've been asking, if anything, have become more and more relevant over time. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's fascinating, the sense of we think we're kind of rational beings um, and we love to dress ourselves up like that. But, you know, even if you look at, I think, uh, Zaltzman's work at Harvard, where he says that 95% of our consumer decisions are made uh, subconsciously. Um, you know, you think of the the idea of people arguing if someone's coming from an emotional place and someone's coming from a logical place, they're almost like they're passing ships in the night. And we can both be on either side of those discussions. I'm, I'm not saying it, we're usually the logical one or anything like that, but it's our ability to deceive ourselves um, or to not see the writing on the wall sometimes is is really fascinating to me. It is it is fascinating. And then uh, by extension, what does it take to change society? What does it take for norms and ideas and values to shift? They're clearly shifting. They're shifting in real time. Yeah. And that seems to me a more kind of interesting collective phenomenon than thinking about the arguments we might need to make to convince people that climate change is real or some of the other questions yeah. that I, I, I spend my day job thinking about. So, uh, uh, there's a wonderful book called The Honor Code uh, by a professor uh, at NYU Law that talks about how norms shift. And one of the arguments he makes is that people in many cases are making rational arguments about the need to end something. He talks, for example, about foot binding in China, where people were arguing that this was barbaric for six centuries. And when it ended, it ended in a period of six years. So very, very often, I think there's this sort of mounting pressure. Something will seem impossible. And if it's never as if it's never going to change and then suddenly it changes all at once we can think more recently maybe about gay marriage that is a, an issue where societal attitudes shifted very very dramatically after this seeming like something that would never change in my lifetime so I find these questions super interesting partly because I spend so much time in the classroom and I uh, I'm so interested to see what uh, particularly the undergrads think about what they're motivated by what how they think about their careers and that kind of thing what uh, what attracted you to to shift to the to the classroom 
uh, well, I come from a family of teachers, so uh, teachers and academics. So when I was young, I was like, oh, that looks awful. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to work, go and work in business. I'm going to go and work in the real world. And then by the time I got to middle age, uh, I was like, oh, I really want to teach. That seems like real fun. <laughs> and then I got into the classroom and it is, in fact, the most fun and energizing thing I've ever done. Um, I would not say I'm great at it. I've still got a lot to learn, but I think I have the most natural ability uh, in this area of anything I've ever done. Um, and I find it compelling beyond belief. I mean, it is uh, it is certainly something I will never get bored with. Every single class is different. You can teach the same material. You are going to have a completely different discussion. The group dynamics in the classroom, the ideas I come across, the kind of ability to have my ideas challenged, the ability to debate things with a bunch of really, really smart, dynamic people. What could be better? I don't think anything could be better. It, it does sound like immense fun, all right. The the idea, though, just before uh, you'd mentioned there, the sense of I don't. It, it gives. It seems to give. Long, long term, I'm quite optimistic about humans. Like I'm not uh, ignorant to the challenges that we face, right? And I'm not saying that cataclysmic events may not uh, be coming our way. Um, but there's something you just said there. You know, just the almost like the groundswell that occurs when you think change will never ever happen. Um, but and yet, like we seem to be so stuck in our ways, and people will see what we want to see. But that, it seems like such a beautiful paradox you were describing there. Yes, kind of considerable change happens, and when it happens, it seems inconceivable. Yeah. How do you like? Do you like even with the? You know, you talked about the corruption that you uncover, and then you know, I see a lot of the things you're putting out uh, at times is just kind of like pointing out. And I, I love it, like the dislocation almost between companies' words or their values and their actions, sure. um, which is something that interests me a lot as well. But does this keep you optimistic through <laughs> uncovering so much like bullshit, shall we, shall we say? Or, or what's your kind of uh, observation of that? Um, yeah, I, I talk a lot about corporate hypocrisy, corporate messaging. I have a certain view um, of, of how this all works and why it's not working anymore and, and why it needs to change. I've just written a book about this, so I will be uh, discussing this a lot more um, in the coming months. I mean, you know, I think I've got a fairly dark view of the world is the truth. I have uh, spent right. a lot of time um, at the ethical boundary of organizations, at the ethical boundary of how human beings behave. I see a lot of reasons to be pessimistic. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I I still um, feel a, a lot of cause for optimism. I do see things changing in real time. Uh, there's a wonderful Ursula Le Guin quote that said, that said, capitalism seems inevitable, so did the the divine right of kings and i love that uh right. that quote as well <laughs> it expresses the same thing right you know that that yeah. uh, there's always a lot of people supporting the status quo there's always a lot of people saying oh this is impossible this is just the way it is you know shareholder value is just like gravity there's nothing we can do about it um and then you can see during your lifetime that in fact things do dramatically change and so i'm with you i think uh i think we are an adaptable and interesting species. Um, I think uh, I, I see enormous cause for optimism in how uh, young people are reframing the world, young people are reframing their careers, young people are thinking about these topics. And so, you know, I mean, I think 
part of being optimistic is about having humility um, and knowing that you don't know everything um, and uh, trying to kind of observe what's going on around uh, out there and uh, impact it positively how you can. And uh, I don't know how else you can move through life without feeling despair. You have to have some sense of agency and impact. Um, so maybe it's me telling myself this story because I want to believe it. But um, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, despite everything I've seen and everything I've experienced and all the very intractable problems I think about every day, I'm still animated by optimism. Isn't isn't that kind of incredible, though? Like, uh, I, I remember um, maybe seven or eight years ago, I first read a, a book by Noam Chomsky. I think it was called How the World, How the World Works or something like this. And I he because I think my head was so... Um, kind of in a very kind of not mainstream place, but, you know, I, whatever was in the news, I kind of took it on, on its face value, I'd say. And I, I know trust in media and the whole landscape has changed dramatically, even in that period of, or of eight years or so. But I remember being so kind of taken aback by some of the things that he was commenting on that I, I sent him an email saying, how, how do you like, how do you kind of still maintain like peace or calm or optim you know in the face yeah. of knowing all this stuff when the the mainstream or the majority of people are just viewing the world completely different i almost think like the the dissonance would almost be too much for me to bear but I, but i think there's something really beautiful about the fact that you've spent all this time investigating corruption and you know even pointing out hypocrisy and these kind of things and yet i don't know maybe even the idea of of working with uh, these uh, students in the classroom and seeing the shift in them but there's still something, and even in your energy levels, there's still you, you don't you don't strike me as someone who this is just this is all getting too much to bear, even in the face of what you're looking at. I guess it's some, you know, it's some life force we all have, or or some of us have. There's some energy, there's some persistence, there's some you know, I, I don't feel that I need a reason to get up and keep going. I seem to have a lot of energy to go and kind of talk and solve these problems. Perhaps that is because I'm very fortunate to have now found a role where I think uh, it does play to my strengths, where I think I can have a contribution. Uh, I spent a long time uh, working for organizations where what I could say publicly was very curated and very controlled. So I've also had a lot of freedom in the past few years from being able to say exactly what I think. Um, people in general have been quite receptive to that. So uh, that's been very, very interesting as well. I mean, you, you mentioned LinkedIn. I mean, every time I post, I get a lot of private messages. I get a lot of insight. I get a lot of sense of how the world is changing. And um, maybe, you know, back to this sense of kind of curiosity, I'm an investigator. I like information. I like to uncover what is really going on. So if I'm getting insight, if I feel I'm answering some question, question I had about uh, the past or about the future or about what I'm seeing out there, then I feel like I'm moving forward and learning something and maybe able to share that with the world. So, yeah. And this uh, this sense of curiosity, I, I know you're saying uh, even uh, growing up that there's a deep curiosity between what was being said and, and what your experience of childhood was or family dynamics. Uh, this curiososity has this just been a, a key driver for you for as long as you can remember or yeah. has it has it waned no it's 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 possibly my animating force you know I mean another thing <laughs> we never really got to travel when I was a kid we'd go to Wales every summer to stay with, at my grandmother's cottage so 
I was also desperate to get on a plane you know I uh as soon as I finished college I went around India for a year and then I spent really two and a half almost three decades really running around the world going to all sorts of crazy places having adventures seeing things um that that I'd never dreamed of I mean I suppose that's another thing you know if you grow up in the in the UK, you grow up in London, and then you go to India. I think one of the the things that was really revelatory for me then was that a lot of the things I'd assumed were common to all human societies, it then became very very clear that the range of human behavior, the spectrum of human behavior and values and beliefs and lifestyles was so much broader than I'd ever imagined, and so. I just wanted to go and find and see and learn more. And uh, I've been able to do that. Uh, more recently, I got uh, a little more sick of traveling. And and, and now I find uh, I can tr- contribute best in the classroom and spend a little bit less time on planes. But um, that curiosity to see the world, to meet people, to understand what motivates other people has has driven so many of my decisions. It's incredible. <laughs> You know, it's it's uh, it is amazing, and uh, like I, I went to India more recent. Um, like I I didn't go to India until my early thirties, but there's, you know, you mentioned something earlier, even just like in terms of humility of you don't know it all. I, I right. think there's something about seeing other cultures or other ways of life that just that do make us a, a lot more humble in our curiosity, almost like as in, oh, I thought I had a very clear. Right. like lens through which I view the world. And now it's completely knocked me on my ass again in terms of 100%. having to rebuild up what it's all about. Like Absolutely. And I think I've had that experience, not just at the macro level, at the micro level. You can know somebody for decades. How well do you really know them? We're all dynamic. We're all different in different contexts. We're all changing all the time. So in that context, how do you have a good relationship? How do you have a good dynamic? How do you have good communication? you know, should you ever think that you know what someone's thinking, you know what someone's going to do, I would say no. So I think this sort of level of humility about not understanding the world, that kind of um, urge to ask questions as if you just woke up and are looking at things for the first time. I try to bring that across every aspect of my life, not just my career, but also my personal life, my friendships. I try. I'm not saying I'm doing a great job here, but uh, (laughs) that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) But 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 I think that's wonderful. Like because I I think the assumption that as you say, like we're so bloody complex, and even all the paradoxes that we're holding at times, like you know, simultaneously I want security, I also want adventure. Like it, it's not even to say that I'm. It's not to say that I'm hypocritical in my actions. I just have a number of elements of myself that that are seeking expression, exactly. and so that's it. That's you know, as you're saying, that's a constantly shifting thing. So. For me to, that's even a hard one for me to always like, you know, know the temperature of the water in terms of what that is for me, let alone another human being. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I think, you know, having some humility about yourself, your own blind spots, I don't even know what my own blind spots are. I just know that I have them is, uh, yeah. is one kind of question here. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I think it's just important to, uh, to uh, keep asking questions and, and, and the older I get, quite honestly, the less I think I know 
about anything. So, uh, so that's uh, that's how I find myself. Perhaps I will uh, keep going here, and uh, assuming I live to be as old as I would like to, I'll be. I'll, I'll really conclude I knew nothing in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> in terms, of, I, I know I asked you. Uh, I know I asked you at the very start. Like, is there a question you're trying to answer as you, as you move through life? Um, in in terms of what you're like seeking as as you get through move through life and even different things that you're understanding about yourself like oh wow I've I I almost looked at teaching at one point as if nah not for me and now I realize oh wow I've actually got a almost like a natural feeling or a calling or or a, like a high level of uh, natural skill towards it like is there has has this kind of question of what you wanted to what you wanted from life kind of shifted as you've moved through these different careers different countries. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been someone that has been a big planner. I don't think I've ever had a long-term vision or kind of concept or script for my life. Um, It has felt as if I take direction, I react to events, I react to forces. I'm very, very conscious um, of paths not taken. I think a lot about parallel lives. I like all those books, you know, thinking about what if you had taken a different decision at this point? What if you played that differently. I had a, a, a decision in, in 2011 about whether I should move to New York uh, for, a, for a job that I thought about, you know, for a month. Uh, very, very deeply. I wasn't sure what to do. Um, and I still spend a lot of time thinking, what if I'd stayed in London at that time? What would my life have been like? What? Uh, who would I have met? What would my career have looked like? Um, and so uh, I like to think about the paths not taken, the paths not traveled. I think uh, it's very difficult for us maybe to uh, fully appreciate how much of a role chance and fate and luck plays in our life so I try to think about that but but not be crushed by it and so in in terms and even even that decision to go to New York and thinking about it for for a month but then also not simultaneously not really approaching life with a, a fixed plan and I, I think out of like I must have interviewed over 150 people now at this stage and around this question and even for so many people that have you know, objective levels of success, I'm always so surprised that there still seems to be a consistency in how frequently people claim not to have it all planned out. Like, is this to walk, uh, even on a, an arbitrary sense of a scale of one to 10, how, where would you kind of place yourself in that sense of just like responding to life and, and moving through life and, and reacting to, to what it offers you? Oh, I'm a 10, I think. Um, I mean, this is again, it's a theme I see again in the classroom with the undergrads. You know, I teach at at Stern Business School at NYU. Very expensive degree, very academic degree, really a path to Wall Street. You can go from Stern to Goldman Sachs to a private equity firm to a big house in Connecticut. Um, And there are students that are doing that. You know, they will say, I'm going to work my 100 hours a week. I'm going to get my fat job. I'm going to be a success. Here's what I'm going to do for my children. I find those people a little scary. Um, I like the people (laughs) that are asking questions. What do I enjoy? What animates me? What motivates me? So I certainly see out there there are people with a lot of direction there are people with clear goals there are people with a life plan I I I see them I just find them a little alien that is not uh not how I experience the world uh uh, for better and worse and then I also get a lot of people that that seem to see some logic uh behind my career and when I'm I'm asked about my career I can certainly make it sound uh like a very coherent narrative story 
That is not what happened. I was flailing around at many time, uh, many points <laughs> in time. You and I discussed in the prep call for this, we're both uh, rather good at taking pay cuts and doing things that other people would not consider sensible. Um, I've done yeah. a lot of that. Um, it has in general played out for me. I, I don't care that much about money, but it has, it has not been detrimental over the long term. But um very often I've done stuff just to shake things up. I love running away. I love getting on a plane and, and landing somewhere new. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to have adventures is, 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 is how I felt. And I've, I've succeeded in doing that and, and long may it continue. That's uh, the idea of running away, uh, jumping on a plane and running off. Right. Um, that, that resonates very strongly oh, yeah. with me. But <laughs> in, in terms of... What, what do you think has given you, like, have you developed a level of trust in yourself to do this? Like uh, this kind of embracing of uncertainty, like, has this been something that you feel is innate in you? Uh, because, it, and it's so bloody reassuring for me to see this working out so well for you. Hopefully my own decisions of taking pay cuts will have a have a similar arc to it. But but uh, But in terms of just... What do you think, like, because so few people do kind of give themselves that permission to to truly embrace this life in the in the the kind of the way that you're describing there is do you like do you ever look back on that with any kind of rhyme or reason around it or, or how do you interpret that? I think when I was young, actually, I had a very very weak sense of self. I didn't know who I was maybe a lot of sensitivity to what other people are doing seeing what motivates them very very easy to impact me if you if you have a strong personality maybe less of a sense of self less of an anchor less of a direction less of a, a robust ego i think as i've got older it's maybe one of the great joys of getting older i have developed more of a sense of self i've developed more of a sense of logic and and, and right and wrong um i'm less easy to to channel and 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 kind of drive in a certain way and I think you know now I'm getting really old I'm, I'm, I'm just getting going I'm much more argumentative I'm much more clear on what I know what I have expertise in uh, it's much uh, less easy to patronize me than it used to be so perhaps this has been something I discovered as I went along I I, I don't think I, I had a sense of direction I think that is partly uh, why I've been able to have have so much variety in my career and for better and worse but uh but now I I, I hit middle age I think I think yeah I do know who I am I do know what I want and I uh I look forward to doubling down on that as I I move forward the uh, the idea of just being being able to at any point in time say I do know who I am and I do know what I want I think that sounds like a that's a ble like that's a real blessing no I think so. Yeah, I think it is very important. Again, back to relationships, I think you need to have a very clear sense of yourself in order to negotiate, in order to have proper reciprocity. So I, I think this is this is helpful. So I, maybe the the key is not that I would ever think I knew the key, but the key is to know who you are, what you need, have some hum humility about your flaws, and then some practical curiosity and humility about the other person so that's uh that's part of, of of how i see that yeah and i think uh i think even when you say humility there like just a, a capacity to to be somewhat um vulnerability is a, a phrase that's overused and i think misused a lot but just a, 
to to have the the courage almost just to say what you want to another human being or to to be curious or to as you say to be curious or humble um in terms of acknowledging your blind spots or acknowledging that they exist even if you don't know where they are yeah. and to, and to bring that that to relationships i th- i think there's there's so often where the things we feel like we're protecting ourselves from or hiding ourselves uh from from displaying that to somebody else they actually end up inhibiting us from ever actually really knowing who we are because right we've never had to take right. that risk I think that's right. Um, and, and I mean, this is, you know, this is also, I, I think you can have an impact, um, you know, out there in the world also by asking the obvious question, by making the obvious point, by saying, actually, this seems odd to me. I don't understand this. There are so many people, I think, feeling like they have to act as if they know the answers, feeling like that's where they derive their authority. That's where they derive their paycheck. Um, And so that means that if you can step back and ask the obvious uncomfortable question, that's often extremely powerful. Yeah, I I love that as an idea. Like the you, it's almost like there's so much uh, focus on trying to ask something of like thinking outside the box, but so few people are just simply, th- you know, simply or critically thinking or honestly uh, expressing what their curiosity is that you can have so much impact with just trying to just ask the obvious or ask what people are just assuming that everyone knows but no one really knows right well exactly and then I think you know we have this frame of leadership just think about any CEO recently and the vast majority of them kind of opining about here's why we need to go back to the office here's why we're moving to a remote environment you know we're in an unprecedented situation how many CEOs did you ever hear saying I don't know what's best for my organizational culture. We're going to try a few things and experiment and get the data and then make a decision. How much more powerful would that be to hear from a leader? The ability to say, I don't know, and I'm going to consult my workforce and ask questions for a year. We seem so uh, convinced that to be a leader, you need to project authority, you need to project certainty. And I think very often that is uh, ossifying us. It's preventing us from moving on. It's preventing us from having the conversations that we need. So this isn't a a podcast about leadership, but I see so much of this uh, sort of urge for having a different kind of leader, um, the kind of leader that will ask questions in a a different way and, and have some sense of humility. And yet the people in charge at the moment seem to find that so incredibly difficult and to feel such an urge to project certainty about questions um, about which, let's face it, none of us know the answer. I, that resonates a million percent with me. Do you, like, do you think that that would be well received in, at this point in time? Like, I, I almost get the feeling that so much has shifted in terms of COVID was, I don't, like COVID revealed what was already going on underneath the, like, the the surface i think people think that covid created a lot of this stuff i think so much is brewing in society and that we you know you only have to look at bloody chaos theory or something to realize that it's bloody hard to predict things <laughs> you know what i mean and the, the certainty which we usually project onto things and the control that we perceive that we had over situations that it, it wasn't really sustainable to maintain that illusion that you could be a leader that truly knows what's coming all the time do you think that like market forces or or investors like that they'd be sympathetic to a leader that would actually that would approach life that way because i i think experiment you mentioned the word there experimentation i think both individually so i always like to look at things on the micro and then trying to 
kind of see what that would look like on the macro. And our lack of experimentation in our lives, I think, is causing us misery because we're kind of picking a point and saying in five years time, I'm going to aim for that there. And it's just not it's not feasible to live like that and, and to you know, with all the new information you're getting from your surroundings and your environment, it's just not a very, like, it's not going to bring you much, um, I don't know, contentment in your life, just rigidly sticking to a plan like this. Right. Like in terms of just the, the reaction to that, do you think people would be more sympathetic to a leader being a bit more honest about the need for experimentation? I do. I mean, I think we've got to, we've got to weigh this against the fact that if you're a leader, you need to set direction. You need to inspire people. You need to make, everyone is making decisions all the time in an atmosphere of very high uncertainty. If you can't do that, if you're like, well, I don't know, let's consult the collective every single time, you will piss people off more than um, if you don't set direction. So it is a case maybe of setting direction and adjusting. You certainly need to be able to display some momentum, to animate people, to motivate people, to give them a sense of where they're going. But I think where we where this becomes dangerous is if you become rigid if you if you project certainty you don't feel if you're not receptive to feedback and if you won't shift course so i'm certainly not saying it's easy um i think a, a good leader is able to chart a path between these two poles but where we seem to be at the moment is um is valuing uh people that uh sound very confident about what they think and, and what they're doing I, I think about someone like elon musk for example though the bloom is off him a little bit But um, that sort of sense of very kind of egotistical certainty, we seem to value as a society far more than we should, at least in the West. Yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. Looking, Looking through your lots of the things that you've been saying here in terms of the need for for adventure in your life, the enjoyment of of novelty. I know I asked you like what what helped you handle or what developed or helped you cultivate more trust in the choices that you were making. But you you mentioned now that you're kind of at a point when you're in the classroom and you're you actually like being somewhat grounded or rooted in a in a in a place for now. Is that because there's a a mission that's that's kind of developing from where you are now is there is do you feel like that there's something cultivating around you or or what's giving you that kind of sense of peace of of remaining remaining still for the for the foreseeable anyway yeah um i think it's really uh just the case that i have um and it's not just teaching you know i just wrote a book i do a lot of very very interesting work with a lot of amazing people and organizations i feel that i'm finally playing to my strengths i think i um I'm a sort of conscientious, guilty person. I think a lot of the time when I was young, I thought that I needed to do things that were hard. I needed to compensate for my weaknesses. I needed to study things I I didn't find enjoyable because they'd be useful or they'd help me make more money. And I think I finally managed to find a role or a, a, a combination of roles that I think does play to my strengths and plays to the things I'm good at. And um, nothing gives me more pleasure than to feel that I've influenced someone in a positive direction. I'm enormously interested in working with young people, especially but not exclusively young women. I don't think I had very much mentorship or support when I was young. Um, I find it very exciting to think that I could provide that for other people, to think that I could help them navigate some of the questions that I really struggled with when I was young. And so I think all of that is incredibly motivating and incredibly fulfilling. And I 
I find it hard to imagine I would want to do anything different, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, uh, I've, I've gone through a lot of changes during my life and I, I would not <laughs> underestimate, uh, more that are coming. <laughs> That's uh, that's such a beautiful answer. I, I interviewed uh, this lady, Baiba, who was a, an executive for a number of years and sat on various boards and was a CEO of a large rail company. And she was mentioning just as she moved through life, the, the comfort she suddenly had in starting to play to her strengths. Like, yeah. and, and I think I'm seeing this as well in my own life, uh, you know, coming to things like meditation or having gone through therapy or journaling or whatever, and you get so obsessed with, I'm not saying that there weren't things about me that needed to change. Jesus, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, that that's that was painfully true as well. But there is something about suddenly coming to peace with who you are. And there's almost like a, it's almost like giving yourself a permission, I think, to just say, no, just go do what you're supposed to do now. Like the like not a not a giving up and trying to like smooth out your edges or something to this effect but it seems like that that's a that's something i've seen with a, a number of people i've interviewed as well like just like uh i've i've ran around the world or i've tried all these different spaces and now i can just i can kind of settle into what i feel really really capable in yeah, exactly. I, I, I know a wonderful uh, coach who I used to work with called Liz Best. And she has this expression, what if it's easy? Like, what would it look like if this was easy and you had permission <laughs> to do the things that you were good at and you knew this would work out? And I just think that's it's, it sounds so simple. There's so much insight in that in that question. Um, and and yeah, I would say that's the story of, of what I've been doing at least the last few years is 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 it feels like, yeah, this is a groove I'm in. This is a this is a place I could have an impact. This is where, you know, I'm not going to change the world, but I might change my little corner of the world. Um, so maybe maybe less grandiose ambitions, uh, but more fully realized, something like that. Yeah. And just a sense then as well of, um, you know, you mentioned that it's it's so nice to be able to offer, afford younger women that you're mentoring for them to be able to ask the questions that you felt you couldn't when you were when you were coming up in the world. Kind of, what kind of questions were you? Did you feel inhibited to ask? Oh, I just think the world is constantly. Um, I think this is partly a gender issue. Is constantly telling you to have self doubt if you're a woman. Is constantly telling right. you you don't have authority. Is constantly telling you you don't have the right to speak. Is constantly telling you you're either too young or too old. You're too punchy or you're too um, restrained. You're too timid or you're too loud. You know, you're always too something. Um, and mm. so I think if I can have conversations with young women and say, you're not too anything, keep going, baby, you are going to win. Um, just don't let the bastards grind you down. Then uh, <laughs> that to me is a good impact. And I see these, these brilliant, brilliant young people, not just women. Um, and I want them to feel that they can unleash themselves. I want them to feel they can say what they think. I want them to feel that they can change the world. Um, there's a wonderful newish book by a, a writer called Vanessa Bones called You Have More Influence Than You Think. And she did uh, all these tests to show, in fact, we do have more influence on the world. We can, we can feel like everything's impossible. We can feel like we can't create change. I'm trying to give people uh, the sense that it took me far too long to get that, that, that they can change things while they're young. You don't need to put up with stuff. You don't need to do stuff because it's hard. You can make risky decisions you can go with the flow you can play to your strengths and it will probably work out for you 
And uh, I think you're you're firing a number of life lessons at a <laughs> at a very quick velocity here. It's wonderful. What what do you think when you, do you think it is having the right mentors that allows people to do this at a at an earlier stage in life? Like not to not to play this game. It's almost like having the right people in your life that just allow you to see the world in a different way. It's not the sense of you know, you have to go through decades of almost uh, drudgery or paying your dues or or earning a right, like the, these kind of things, like where it's just like, no, you can, you know, I love the sense of like unleashing yourself, like being yourself. It yeah. seems like there's so many beautiful messages there. Like is what, what do you think it will allow, what do you think most allows these people or, or helps these people to, to kind of follow that, that sentiment? Um, I, I mean, I think I see people that are very clear about who they are and don't struggle with these things. Um, mm. I uh, I think this is partly a question of upbringing. It's partly a question of privilege. It's partly a question of personality. But what I would say is you don't have to be trapped by any of those things. You don't have to be trapped by your upbringing or your past. You can you can shed these kind of problematic assumptions. Yeah, I don't like the frame that we everything is kind of set in our genes, is set in 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 where we came from. Um, I like the idea that you can be different people at different stages in your life. That that you are not trapped by the past and that you can reshape the future. So um, you know, I, I I weigh this against of course you know there's chance there's fate we don't really have control um but you you can move through life and 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 influence it more than you think and i think a little reflection a little help uh, maybe a little therapy um a little variety (laughs) certainly mentorship all of these things can be really helpful in terms look you've covered so many I think deeply important things here in terms of just as someone moves through life and in their own attempts to to have a good life you know you're talking at the very start the the sense of a curiosity of observing life like what motivates people having this deep curiosity also an intuitive sense of like what are what are people feeling that they're not saying like just this like almost end this like investigative sort of sense that led you to investigating companies through the Middle East really this kind of sense of what's going on beneath the surface but then not having a plan in life this once again this kind of uh, not reacting to life you're just saying there there's some control in the process there's some reflection you know even some therapy maybe can help us like whatever it is but then ultimately kind of coming to to some sort of peace where it's okay yes there's these number of adventures in my life uh, but coming back to almost this peace within yourself of then you know, becoming more myself, uh, allowing myself almost to, to to deal in my strengths and not to be like focusing on where I feel I need to improve myself, where I need to like to, to step up in terms of addressing what someone could perceive as a weakness and detracting from the focus on my strengths. This gorgeous sentiment too of a reflective life as well of, you know, contemplating on the paths that I haven't taken at times as well. Um, but ultimately almost it, it feels like this beautiful kind of like merging into just like letting go of caring what other people think um, or letting go of that sensitivity to what other people think, having a willingness to communicate in a very um, open and honest way and in a vulnerable or curious way, a humility of constructing and deconstructing my worldviews with travel and, and the likes of this. And then ultimately coming to this beautiful point, I think of like, I know who I am and I know what I want. And then from this space as well, then kind of shifting into how do I contribute to other people's lives? How do I 
how do I push this 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 onwards with people that you're mentoring or you know how do I contribute to okay maybe I'm not going to fix the whole world but maybe there's a corner of the world that I can contribute to like I I think even just with all that that you provided that's <laughs> that would be a considerable contribution to to a good life but as I tend to have the the habit here of asking people towards the end of the discussion what is what is a good life for you Alison I think it's all the things you said, but I think the thing I'm still working on, the thing I'm still really struggling with is the ability to be in the moment with its imperfections, to be fully present in what I'm doing. This has been something I have struggled with enormously. You know, I'm an anxious, conscientious person. I think about the future. I try to shape the future. I worry about what might happen. I I cogitate too much on the past. So um, the people that I've met that I think really have life right, you know, are fully present in the moment with all its imperfections, living in that way. And this is a, a quality that can come with a lot of downsides as well. There is nothing perfect, but that is where I want to put my energy now. How can I be more fully present in what I'm doing, less focused on the future, less focused on the past, um, really kind of using all my senses, all my skills to observe and react to what's going on around me. I think that is the best way to shape the future. It's the best way to understand the past. And uh, that's what I plan to spend the rest of my time on earth uh, trying to cultivate and trying to get right, um, along with all the other things that we've discussed. (laughs) (laughs) And when when did this kind of realization uh, materialize for you? Oh, I think this has come to the fore in the past decade as well as I've I've learned things. I've learned to relax a little bit more. I've dealt with some of my historic baggage, and it's helping me see more clearly what the kind of underlying problems are for maybe all of humanity or some of them. What are the um, what are the things that that all human beings struggle with and what are the things I'm particularly bad at that I need to work on? And, and living in the present, being in the moment, that's a, a, not a strength. So it is a, it is something that I need to pay focused attention to and I, I plan to keep doing that. Yeah, it's... Um, I, I guess in some ways, though, too, like it's... Uh... There's this, I don't know, this almost like um, spiritual perspective, I'd say almost of like, can I, can I view the universe as, as perfect, but not detach myself from the, like the obvious human suffering that is taking place. Like, so it's this weird paradox of like, can I, can I hold the world like in almost viewing it as this beautiful, perfectly balanced thing? Like, I think even in quantum physics, there's a theory at the moment that if you add up all the the positive and negative energy on the planet it comes to zero yeah. uh, something about that yeah, that really yeah. trips me out um i'm not making any academic conclusions from that if you know what i mean but just there's there, there is this weird kind of sense of and i can imagine just with the kind of work that you're doing and the things that you're uncovering that that can be that can be especially when you see so much uh, at times maybe corruption or as you said you said like you've gone to the very dark edge uh, or dark edge of human ethics as well in, in what you're uncovering I, I guess it's it's not the not always the easiest fit either if 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 it's not the the focus like I, I could imagine how how that could slip out of balance um, in in terms of just what you're exposing to yourself in in terms of just you see how the world is in certain areas yeah i think i think you 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 see the world as it you try to see the world as it is you uh 
hold all the problems front and center. You don't deny them. You don't belittle them. But uh, what would we do if we knew things would work out? How would we act differently? What decisions would we make? What would we say uh, if we felt that we could be honest and say what we really think? Uh, I think, you know, that's that's what I try to ask myself every day. And I'm going to kind of keep asking that question till I die, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's there's so much of this that comes down to can I be at peace with the, you know, when we talk about like what businesses are doing or can I come to peace with even with who I am? <laughs> That's for me. Like, can I accept myself and the totality of myself as well, even let alone the the universe, um, whether that's my thoughts, my judgments, all, all of these things as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's a, that's a lovely mission to, to have, uh, to have in, in, in your mind's eye at this point as well. Look, Alison, thank you so much for, for all that you've shared in this conversation. Um, and thank you so much for your time. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, I find the, the journey to be a very inspiring one. Thank you. Uh, thank you for a, a, the chance to have a very fun and interesting and different conversation. <laughs> uh, not the kind of questions I'm normally asked. And it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you.